Tonight's program is brought to you by the China Hockey Group. The CHG is a family-oriented group of ice hockey leagues, training programs, and community initiatives geared at developing ice hockey in Hong Kong and southern China. Established in 2011, the CHG is comprised of various programs for players of all levels. From the exceptional Junior Tigers program, the HKBN Idol League, the Learn to Play and Learn to Skate programs, all the way up to their adult leagues, which include the SCIHL, for those looking for a fun recreational experience, and the CIHL, which is the only elite full contact adult hockey league. If you're looking for some hockey equipment, or if you even need your skates sharpened, stop by the CHG showroom in Central, an exclusive reseller of Warrior and Power equipment. For more information about their programs, check out their website at ChinaHockeyGroup.com. That's ChinaHockeyGroup.com. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to the song I sent you, Chris? Uh, I can't remember. Here, here, clear the track. Here comes Shaq. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, I remember. So, I, I can't remember who wrote it though. Oh, it's Brian McFarland. Brian McFarland. Noted, yeah, the noted hockey writer. Yeah. And so, uh, Doug, someone, someone, Douglas Rankine in the secret. So yeah, a little one hit wonder novelty tune. Well, about, not, uh, about Eddie, about he, Eddie Shaq. Right? He's not he's not stomping Tom with the songwriting. Yeah. <laughs> But definitely clever, definitely clever. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. few, and few, it, and few it goes moments. again. Uh, Eddie Shack was very much the everyman. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the everyman. You know, not not the the most talented guy in the world, but a, a great hard worker. Do you, Do you remember the pop shop? The pop shop. No. Oh, man, we I I got to talk to your dad. <laughs> yeah, you don't remember the pop shop. Anyhow, no. yeah, he had a, he had a donut chain too. You know, uh, Eddie or uh, yeah, Eddie Shack. I know and, that he, again. He had uh, his he had his fingers in a lot of cookie jars. Yeah, he is exactly right. And yeah. and again, along with uh, I think along with Johnny Bauer, uh, yeah. you know, one of the uh, one of the longstanding uh, favorite amongst uh, amongst all Leaf fans, right? Uh, uh, just a quick note: yeah. the, the rule is still the same. Uh, Ott Erickson and Milan Marsetta got their name on the Stanley Cup. Um, if you play forty-one games in the regular season or yeah. one game in the finals you're eligible to have your name put on the cup and the team is allowed to put up to 52 names. And that's so, still the rule today. That's still the rule. So if, okay. you, if you play 41 in the regular Half season, of the regular or, season or one in the finals, right? So then there's, you're, there's then been you're eligible. Yeah. Okay. So the stammer coming back for, for one game makes sense. Yeah. Like, right. I mean, right. could you imagine if, I mean, there's been such weird things that happen, but guys say, you know, play 35 games in the regular season, play the first three rounds of the playoffs, <laughs> break, like get. get an injury and don't get on the cup. Pretty sad. That's it, man. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's get back to this, Terry. Um, So just like uh, in the semis in Chicago, the Leafs rebounded for, for a winning game too. Yeah. And they would do it in punch in black Leafs style. That is defense first and foremost, Johnny Bauer turning away 31 shots for a three, nothing shutout. Uh, Imlac told reporters after the game that Rogi Vashon, he was now playing like a junior A goal. Okay. Uh, that be, yeah. Now that being said, Jim Pappen had uh, his tenth point in eight playoff games for the Leafs game in the Leafs game to win. Uh, Pappen was twenty-seven. The former Toronto Marley was a rookie on the Cup-winning team in '64. 
and would lead the team in scoring in these playoffs with uh, seven goals, eight assists, 15 points. He would also be run out of town by Punchy Black, going to Chicago, where he had some good years with some good Blackhawk teams before retiring in 1975. Um, Chris, can you imagine a coach, you know, trash talking like that today? Uh, you know, calling the other team's goalie, saying he's junior B. It's, <laughs> those are finable offenses. No, no, no coach, no coach wants to pay those fines. No, there seems yeah. to be a lot less of that. Um, you right. know, I, when you look back at some, I mean, calling somebody a junior B goalie, those are things that you might see come out in the papers that maybe a player said behind the scenes. Right. Nobody's right. coming out like quoting themselves and saying that in the newspapers. Yeah, this uh, this that uh, kind of psychological psychological advantage. They, yeah, uh, yeah, they they go about it a, a little different now. I think you're right. Yeah, with a um, little with a little. They're still they still like to throw little oh, sure. jabs like that, but they're just a little smarter about it. I I agree. Yeah. yeah. So now game three was back in Toronto. John Ferguson tied it with a minute to go for Montreal, but Toronto would prevail three two in double overtime on a sixty one wow. save performance by Johnny Bauer. Uh, this would be his last action of the playoffs. And a goal by future Hall of Famer Bob Pulford, class of 1991. Pulford was 30, a Marley's product who played for the Leafs from 55 to 72, but is also remembered for his nearly 30-year career as coach GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Pulford was also the first president of the NHLPA. A tenacious four-checker, that was his only goal of the playoffs, though he would add 10 assists to finish third on the team in scoring. Um, now, Pulford's a Hall of Famer and, and went to the front office, um, but nowhere near the player that current cup holder, Hall of Famer, GM, Joe Sackett was. And and Chris, what skills? Are, are, are there the same skills or different skills that allow someone like to make that, that post-playing leap? Well, to be honest, Terry, when you think about it, there haven't been, obviously there haven't been many that have done it. Uh, there have been some attempts. Uh, Stevie Eiserman recently, obviously. Right. Um, yeah. Patrick Waugh, who, you know, not coaching in the NHL, coaching junior hockey. Um, right. To me, it's, it, you got to be a real special, I mean, not many guys have the the smarts of, of right. see, seeing those parts of the game. Um, most players are so focused on, you know, making, improving themselves and, and being a, an amazing hockey player. There's only a yeah. few guys that see the game from a different perspective. I think yeah, obviously Joe Sackick's definitely one of those guys. And if you talk to anybody um, about, you know, about him as a player, they're going to say the same things. Just so smart, so intelligent, uh, saw the game differently than most, saw things two or three plays ahead of guys, you know, yeah. things you only hear about real special players. And uh, yeah. yeah, I would say yeah, yeah. is probably another one. Yeah, I, I think, too, you know, maybe the better you are at it, um, you know, maybe they just have the tendency to say, just go do what I did. Yeah. You know, what, what yeah, you exactly. Mean you what do you this? mean? You, I, I, you know, I do yeah. this when I just, you're like walking up and walking into the rink. So, yeah, yeah, I also, yeah that I also, ability to. I also think there's a fear there. Uh, well, there's a lot of players that could probably do it, but don't do it out of the fear of not being great at it. So like uh, you know like another, if, if you're another very good point if you yeah. if you're a Hall of Fame hockey player and then you suck yeah. at being a GM that's um, right you don't, what you don't do you, want... what are you remembered for exactly yeah. yeah yeah good point again yeah yeah so uh, back to uh, back to the action 
just like the uh, Chicago series, the Leafs, the Leafs come up small in game four. Yeah, that that's right, Chris. The, the Habs roll. Oh, t- sorry, 16. Terry. Sorry to interrupt oh, you there for a second. Yeah, certainly. You mentioned the 61 save performance by Johnny Bauer and being his last. Right. Are you going to explain yes. what happened there? We're going to get to uh, again. Uh, that was the I think that was the only uh, the game to go into uh, to overtime as well. Right. Yeah. And uh, again, he just uh, came back. You yes. know, one thing you have to. Yeah. Yes. And, and I mean, the man was was remember, man, the man was the man was 42. 40. Yeah. He was forty-two, so right. so uh, Inlac uh, went with the uh, went, went with the youngster at thirty-seven. Sachuk, yeah, Sachuk, yeah, right. And 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 one thing you know, uh, you will, you know, I think you have to give Inlac credit is is that going back and forth, right? You know, maybe the guys today, you know, boy, that's if you're leaving yourself open mm-hmm. to, you know, second guessing if you don't ride the hot hand, right. And uh, yeah, so he Imlac to his credit, he showed you know no problem going back and forth, right? Whoever he thought was looking better for, he'd go with it. Right. Yeah, and and again, uh, it was uh, game four, so they yeah the Habs rolled, you know six yeah. two, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, uh, the Leafs continued to get production up and down down the line though, as young Pete Stamkowski got his eleventh point in uh, in ten playoff games. Mm-hmm. Now Stamkowski, a former Murray, was twenty three. A great face-off man. This was his last year in Toronto. He would be part of the disastrous Frank Mahovlich trade with Detroit in 1968 and go on to some good years in the 1970s on some good New York Ranger teams. Despite the loss, the Leafs liked where they stood after four games. And in Game 5 in Montreal, the veterans stepped up with a decisive 4-1 win. Sawchuk was sharp, while Horton, Kelly, Keon, and Mahovlich all had points. The Leafs' third goal was by Marcel Pronovo. His unassisted effort was his only point of the playoffs. The 36-year-old defensive stalwart came to the Leafs in 1965 after starting his Hall of Fame career in Detroit. And we met him, you know, Terry Sajak's best friend, when we uh, when we watched the Sajak movie. And uh, this was uh, Pronovo's last hurrah. He would play 40 more games over the next two years and then retire. Uh, also, as I mentioned last time, Chris, he would get his name on the Stanley Cup three more times as a scout for the New Jersey Devils. Mm-hmm. And it was 53 years between the first time his name went on the Stanley Cup and the last time that his wow. name went on the Stanley Cup. That's, that is impressive. That's very yeah, impressive. It is. And so, Chris, this leaves the Toronto Maple Leafs one win away from winning the Stanley Cup. Could you imagine or uh, tell me now what you think that scenario would look like today oh man i could the players would be sweating their butts off before they even leave the dressing room i i mean there's so much there's so much pressure on these guys right now i can't even imagine like i just think back to a few years ago when you know i think we might talk about this a little bit later with the some of the series where they even to get to the finals um the pressure it just seems insurmountable at this point. It whatever it is, it's the curse, or whatever you want to call it, you know, the the demons, uh, the ghosts of Christmas past, whatever you want to call it. It's just bad. And I don't I know, did. man. I just can't imagine if the Leafs are one way win away from the Stanley Cup, the entire country of Canada will be on the edge of their seats just again and i can't, and you, I, can't. I hope see, it I, I pray I, I pray that it happens in my lifetime terry <laughs> again you're a very good point chris yeah. uh, 
you know, uh, we'll, I don't know if I, if I ever want to see it in my lifetime. But uh, again, no doubt it'd be good for the game. It'd be yeah. good for the game. Because, I mean, that that's the sort of event that would generate interest from, you know, non-fans or casual fans. Right. Uh, it would bring, it'd bring out the haters. Yeah. Right. It'd, uh, it'd transcend the sport. Right. Agreed. There'd be op-eds about national identity. And back in the day, you'd hear all yes. about what we're talking about here tonight. Yeah. And, you know. Professional sports are are narrative driven. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you and you need it more than ever when you know inevitably sports today, whatever the sport, it it comes down to is money. Yeah, it's money. That's the only thing that we seem to be concerned about. So if something like this does occur, right, it it just Gosh. it takes the focus way back onto uh, onto uh, onto a different uh, yeah. People would be looking at it from a from a whole different way. I can't right? even imagine what it would cost or how much money they would make in a Stanley Cup Finals. Yes, now and and that's a that's a nice seed, Chris. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, speaking of money, yeah, face value uh, of the top ticket that day at Maple Leaf Gardens was seven dollars. Seven bucks. It was seven bucks. Oh yeah. my gosh! I'm sure it was going. I'm sure it was going for a little more on the uh, on the black market. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before Game Six. Punchy Black laid out $3,000 in $1 bills on the dressing room floor. Yeah. A reminder to, of what each player could earn with another win over the Habs. The total bonus was over $5,000 a player. And for some of the younger players, that would be a 50% bump yeah. in, uh, in, their, in their salary. Um, in 2019, winners got around $200,000. But with the minimum at $750,000, it's it's a smaller percentage. Okay. And and again, Chris, you know, uh, one thing I think you have to realize is players can afford to say it's not about the money now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to say it's not about the money when you've already got the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great right? point. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So, and uh, again, Frank Mahovlich led the team in salary that year at $32,000. And Chris, it's money that will help explain the next 25 years of the Maple Leafs franchise. Um, after that, it's curses or jinxes or some metaphysical, weird metaphysical reckoning. I, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, and again, what what do you think a, a ticket would go for at a clincher today? Oh my gosh. I'm, yeah. I'm, I yeah. bet you you're looking at a half million dollars for a front row seat. <laughs> like, I would not I'll be surprised, you. but it'd be in the hundreds of thousands. No, no question. Uh, man, the mind reels. It, yeah, it really yeah. does. There'd be, there'd be no limit. There'd be some wacko that'd be willing to pay a half million dollars yeah, to go watch I'll, that game. I mean, I'll tell you, God bless him yeah. because <laughs> it, it, <laughs> a, win, it, a win is they not better break the curse. Yeah, the win is not uh, yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. Win is not yeah guaranteed. but before yeah. before all that, before all that happens, yeah, Terry, before that, still, yeah, we still got Game Six here. We still got game, game Six. Yeah, yeah, and and on on May second, nineteen sixty seven. The Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup with a 3-1 win over their arch-rival Montreal Canadiens. Jim Pappen scored the cup-winning goal. It was originally announced as Pete Stemkowski, but later ruled that it went in off Hab defenseman Terry Harper. Uh, Pappen earned a bonus as the leading goal scorer in the playoffs, and he and Stemkowski would jokingly argue for years after about who actually scored it. George Armstrong would add an empty netter, the last goal scored in the original six era. Wow. The Leaf captain then accepted the trophy from Commissioner Clarence Campbell. And after a five-minute celebration on ice, 
The team headed to the dressing room for a celebration and an uncertain future. And uh, very much unlike today's circus, Chris. Oh my goodness! After after so it's much. Over. Yeah, that's, it's a month of well. If you're if you're Alex Ovechkin or Brad Hall, it's like <laughs> three months three months of partying. But uh, yeah, everything is is amped up and hyped yeah. to the extreme e- now. Even uh, even just on the ice, you know, they were on the ice for five minutes, skated around once, yeah, yeah, and off we go, right? No, yeah. Now it's the families, the cousins, everyone's getting a picture. Of, it's, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you gotta gotta get it for the uh, get it for the get it for the gram. Get it for, get it for the, the media. That's right, bud. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously that was um, the the fact that you just read the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup in a sentence was kind of shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, afterwards, obviously this was this was the peak. This was the end of that era. Um, yeah. And now, and now the decline begins. The decline begins, Chris. And, yeah. And with, with, with the front office increasingly distracted, by a criminal conspiracy of their own making. Punch Imlach went about cementing his reputation with the Leafs for good coach, poor GM. Starting by protecting the 42-year-old Bauer and 37-year-old Pronovo in the expansion draft. By the time Stafford Smythe fired him in 1969, only a handful of Leafs from their last championship team remained. The rest had retired or were run out of town for union activities, Pulford, Bond, personal vendettas, Mahovlich, Demkowski, or cheapness, Hillman, Pappen. No original six team was as anti-union as Toronto, and no team did a poorer job adapting to the end of the sponsorship system. The St. Michael's Marley's pipeline was gone, and in 1968, the front office sold off their minor league franchises in Victoria and Rochester. Also, they didn't draft well. In 1969, they chose a guy named Ernie Moser over a guy named Bobby Clark. Now, while every Whoops. team misses, yeah, every team misses sometimes, right? Yeah. And the Leafs would feature some great players in the years to come. Uh, the aforementioned uh, uh, Borea Salming and, mm-hmm. uh, and the others that we talked about. No Toronto Maple Leaf draft pick from 1967 to 2002 would win a major NHL individual award or wow. as a Maple Leaf, the Stanley Cup. That's 35 years. That's incredible. I mean, such a... Mm-hmm. What a chain of events. I mean, yeah. you, you would think a team that's had so much success in the past would have understood what it takes to win. And that's that pedigree. It's that core group of guys. I mean, you can't yeah. starting old, like they basically started over. And yeah, uh, criminal conspiracy. <laughs> I think this has a lot to do with it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Stanley Cup run of 1966-67 was extremely important to owners Stafford Smythe and Harold Boward. John Bassett was more of a silent partner. Uh, He was eventually forced out by Smythe and Boward. The two playoff rounds meant an infusion of sorely needed cash, because by 1967, despite booming business and expansion to Maple Leaf Gardens, Smythe and Boward were leveraged on loans, cheating on taxes, and skimming skimming money off the Leafs and the Marleys to pay their personal expenses. Uh, They were making more money off the Marleys. Uh, there would be smaller crowds, but the hockey team was extremely popular. And you only had to play pay junior players $60 a week. Right. Con Smythe, yeah, Con Smythe had sold his shares in 1961, but remained as an advisor until 1966, when he resigned in disgust, saying the organization was putting cash ahead of class. 
but hoping the team would stay in this family forever. This was not to be. In 1969, Stafford Smythe and Harold Boward were charged with fraud and tax evasion. Stafford Smythe, his erratic behavior exacerbated by alcoholism, would die of a bleeding ulcer at the age of 51, two weeks before the trial began in October 1971, but not before making Harold Boward executor of his will and including a codicil that said Boward could buy his shares. The Smythe family would later contest this to no avail. In August 1972, Maple Leafs owner Harold Boward would be found guilty of 48 of 50 charges against him and was sentenced to nine years. He would be paroled in October of 73 to reign over a new era in Maple Leaf history. Now, had you ever heard that no, story, Chris? No, not before seeing this here, Terry. I mean, <laughs> what is yeah. all I can say? I mean, the fact that you can return from a nine-year prison sentence for all... Oh, the- he, he did a year. Yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, come on. But yes, yeah, of course. And These were some serious charges. This wasn't like, yes. uh, you, yeah, you get a speeding ticket nowadays. You're probably in trouble with your team. Um, right. Yeah, no, this stuff would not have wouldn't wouldn't fly today. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm big on second chances, though, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and as as we'll see, Chris, yeah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of bad, you know, could be said about Con Smythe. Yeah, but but he was a hockey guy. He was a hockey guy first and foremost. Right. Um, this new guy. Yeah. Uh, so take yeah, us through. Let's so let, take us through the Ballard years. Yeah, uh, and here, Chris, the Ballard years. He, here is where you know maybe we should have a trigger warning for for Leaf fans. Yeah. Uh, Harold Ballard was he's he's what we now call a troll, right? He owned the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL, and he had their logo painted on center ice at uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens until the league ordered him to stop. Uh, when players' names became mandatory on the back of the jerseys, that was an innovation brought in from the WHA. Mm-hmm. Boward, he was infuriated that sales of game day programs would suffer. So uh, he had the names uh, put on in blue on the blue sweaters and uh, put on in white in the, on the whites, right? Again, oh, you know, the league, the league had to intervene, Yeah, right? Uh, Boward, uh, Boward sold the Leafs championship banners and ordered the burning of Foster Hewitt's broadcasting gondola, despite entreaties from the Hall of Fame. Uh, his treatment of players was abhorrent. Uh, too cheap to compete with WHA salaries, his low ball offers drove Bernie Perrant and Paul Henderson to the rivalry to the rival league. Uh, Henderson told Boward to take his contract offer and stick it up his. Uh, he solved his he solved his feud with Captain Daryl Sittler, who he called a cancer and who had a no-trade clause by trading Sittler's friend and linemate Landon McDonald to the Colorado Rockies. Most egregious was driving away the franchise icon Dave Keon. Mm. Boward wouldn't give Keon a much-deserved raise, then asked for a ridiculous amount in trade, forcing Keon to the WHA. Uh, Boward would be dead for 20 years before Keon recon- reconciled with the team. Wow. Oh, and, and in 1979, Boward fired coach Roger Nielsen couldn't find anyone to take the job, rehired Nielsen, and tried to make him wear a paper bag over his head uh, on the bench so he could be the mystery coach. You're uh, you're sensing a pattern here, Chris. Yeah, just failure. That's the pattern. Yeah, indeed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and and again, some of it some of it may be a little funny in yeah. retrospect, right? But much of it is is sad. And and I think especially his dealings with people. 
Yeah. And and it seems it seems like he resented the Smythe success. Mm-hmm. And once he realized the cost of replicating it, I think he decided he'd just be as happy burning it to the ground. That's a good point. And you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. right. And, and 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 so now, Leaf, uh, Chris, these are the Leafs of, of your youth. Yeah. How do you remember? How do you remember the Leafs? Well, as a kid? the Leafs were terrible. I mean, in the mid, I grew, I was born in the early 80s. Um, the Leafs were bad all throughout the 80s. Uh, I think they had like one 500 season in the ni- early yep. 90s. Some like they had one decent season. Um, but other than that, I just remember them being bad. And like, yeah. when you're a kid, you kind of like, people people often like follow the teams that are winning you know when you're young it's my my dad's a Leafs fan I'm a Habs fan I I remember being a kid and be like I can't believe my dad likes that likes the Leafs like they're so bad like they're the the worst team like right yeah why why would he like them obviously I I learned that through when he was your age yeah exactly I did learn that throughout the years of why he loves the Leafs but Yes. Yeah, just um, I just remember them being bad, and I just remember like all the heartbreaks, um, yeah, all the close calls. Of course, ninety three, um, just just seems like every, like like thirty thirty five years without having a, a guy win an NHL award. Like I I saw the end of that era. So yeah, yeah, yeah not not, right. not a quality and, and, hockey team. No, and 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 uh, you know uh, the the numbers unfortunately bear that out. Um, yeah. You know, again, the Leafs of my youth, uh, you know, a few years before that, uh, they yeah. were just, you know, equally as rot. <laughs> and and Harold Boward was the, he was the very definition of a meddlesome owner. Right. Uh, in the 18 years between 1972 and 1990, he hired and fired 13 coaches and six GMs. He made himself GM when Punch Imlach returned and suffered two heart attacks. The team never finished higher than third in its division. From 1979 to 92, they had one season at 500, right. uh, but because 16 of the 21 teams made the playoffs, that was an, an appeasement to uh, the teams that had come in from the WHA. Yeah, uh, They made the playoffs seven times, never getting past the second round. In 1978, Boward demanded Bob Davidson take a massive pay cut. Davidson, a former Leafs captain who's been called the father of modern scouting, he was the architect of the Murray's Mike's Pipeline with some 200 bird dogs around the country who had a knack of appealing to any parent. He rightfully walked away, and that left the team in even further disarray. Boward died in 1990, leaving his estate to a charitable trust. He referred to his three children as reptiles and cut them out of his will. Wow. Toronto, yeah, Toronto businessman Steve Stavro was executor of Boward's will. And he, with the help of current chairman Larry Tannenbaum Mm -hmm. and the Ontario uh, Teachers uh, Pension Plan, Mm -hmm. they would make the team a private company, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Limited. Uh, They would buy the Toronto Raptors of the NBA and build the Air Canada Centre, now Scotiabank Arena. Mm -hmm. However, Chris, whether the owners were idiosyncratic dictators like Smythe or Ballard or faceless bureaucrats, like MLS and ELTD. Yeah. One thing, one thing remains constant about the Toronto Maple Leafs. The fans show up in droves, mm-hmm. which which is admirable, right? Or <laughs> or is it like watching a friend in a toxic codependent relationship? Well, that is that is a tough question, but the answer is 
it's like watching a friend in a toxic relationship. <laughs> no, no. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. It's just kidding. great, right? No, yeah. it's, it, yeah, is, it is, you know, great. it's admirable. Um, the, it is. You know, I'm, I, to me though, the, the thing that kind of takes me a little bit away from that is that like, you can be a fan of a team, but you got to be a fan of the sport, number one. And then yeah. you can be a fan of the team. But, these diehard fans, um, it's what makes the sport a little bit special. Like it kind of sets things o- apart for me. And I mean, you can say it about most sports, but the original yeah. six, especially, you know, the franchises that have been around the longest, obviously have earned that right to have these diehard fans. And I mean, there's a reason yeah. the Leafs are the richest team. Um, their fans are diehard. Everybody, yeah. they've always been in the center of it. I mean, yeah, that's right. And, and it's yeah, I think it's fitting. It's definitely fitting. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've seen, you know, again, the the Leafs, uh, they were due for a downturn mm-hmm. after that last championship, yeah. right? You know, it was an yeah. older team, and and then you know, chaos happened to roll into town. It was that perfect storm sort of thing. But Chris, they remained in the woods. Right, the team has not returned to, let alone won a Stanley Cup since the, the finals since 1967. So, so I ask you now, mm-hmm. do you believe in curses? You know, to be honest, no. But there, it's hard to explain for me because I don't think someone could put a curse. But I do believe that people can be cursed, or mm-hmm. if, you know, like I, I, and it's not. I don't think cursed is the right word. But I do think that, you know, when when there's so much history of failure and so much so many bad things that have happened, the players that are in the current situation are the ones dealing with it. And, you know, they're squeezing their sticks a little tight. They're they're, you know, losing focus for a minute, letting emotions run, run wild. Like there's just so many little factors. And I mean, as as the snowball turns, it just keeps getting bigger. So. Indeed. Eventually, something's going to have to give here for the Leafs. And hope right. ha- like I said, it's going to happen, but it's going to take a special group. It's going to take a special yeah. leader. It's going to take yeah. something really, really special is going to have to happen to get them over that hump. So getting over yeah. the hump, whether you want to call it a curse or not, I don't know if it's the right word or the right term. Right. Um, because I think there's just so many factors. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, very, very, uh, yeah, very well put. Uh, yeah. uh, there's no such thing as curse. I'm a, I'm a yeah. Red Sox fan. Red Sox. There's no Babe Ruth curse fan. Ask the, ask the, ask Cubs fans. There's no, there was no curse at Billy Goat, right? right? I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, again, again, Chris, <laughs> uh, uh, you can look at it now. Are, are all Canadian teams cursed? Well, it's been a while. I mean, you know, yeah, the Leafs, the Leafs have, uh, you know, they have company in the uh you know in the uh in this department right in the, in in, the uh, drought in department yeah the in the drought department. department that's right yeah, yeah. yeah but but chris if if we do entertain the notion yeah that the leafs are cursed mm-hmm. who or what is cursing okay. so, so yeah some some date it back to the mahabwich trade in 1968 uh some say it's the number 13 the team is stuck on 13 titles and may 13th 2013 was the date of the most infamous Leafs loss of this century. I'm sure Paul would be happy to uh, talk about that one all day. Ah, I knew yeah. this was coming. Right. Is yeah. it, Chris, is it, is, it, is it the ghost of Harold Ballard? Bill Ballard, son of Harold, who ran the team while his father was in prison, mm-hmm. said his father once told him that he would run the team from his grave. And like the Magic 8 Ball says, 
All signs point to yes. <laughs> many believed. Many believed in the Hillman hex. Larry Hillman had a good playoff that year for the '67 Leafs, and asked Punch Imlac for a five thousand dollar raise in order to bring his salary up to twenty thousand dollars. Imlac refused, which prompted Hillman to hold out from joining the team the following season until he was given the raise he believed he'd earned. Uh, in retribution, Imlac fined Hillman a hundred dollars a day for each day of his twenty-four day holdout. Uh, Hillman was forced to pay the team twenty-four hundred dollars. And in 1969, moved on to play for Montreal. But upon leaving Toronto, he hexed the franchise, saying until the day they repaid him with interest, they would not win the Stanley Cup. Hillman, who, who this past June, uh, only died this past June in, uh, in Sudbury at the age of 85, he chose to lift the curse in 2017 after Leafs president Brendan Shanahan repaid Hillman the $2,400 plus 50 years interest. The Leafs would lose in the first round that year. Yeah, but good on Shanahan. Yeah, good yeah, on. I That's mean, a good yeah. move. Yeah, yeah, because moves, moves like move. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and again, moves like that, and and uh, um, uh, retiring the numbers of past greats, not honoring them that they'd done a while, and that was a move the franchise made in its centennial year of 2016, and that brought Keon back into the fold. You know, that shows respect for the past. Mm -hmm. That might help rewrite the future. Yep. So love them or hate them, Chris. Yeah, uh, they are showing signs of finally putting it all together. So is this the year that they get it done? Well, first of all, obviously Brendan Shanahan believes in curses. Um, <laughs> no, it's not the year they get it done, Terry. Um, I still don't think this team has a core identity. Um, it's gonna take a few years of winning with a core group. They gotta. I, I still don't think they. There's questions in goal. Uh, there's questions about their toughness. Every time they lose a few games, they're going to fire their head coach. There's just too much. I don't think they're going to. They're ready to get over that hump yet. I'm sorry, Paul. I don't think um, that the <laughs> throw that the curse is over yet. I don't think that the first the first pitch by Austin Matthews uh, is going to break. It was enough. I really yeah. don't. I mean, I think it's a talented team. Yeah, but they don't have that identity. Like. To me, when I look at a, a winning team from the last, you know, if you look at the Penguins teams, you look at the Bruins, you look at the, the LA Kings, the teams that have been able to, you know, dominate for a period of time. There's been a core group of guys there for, for, for a period of time together. There's no questions in goal. They've got a number one goaltender um, yep. that's that's been there and that. You know, I mean, mind you, I, I the, the Penguins went through a period there with Murray and, and Flurry, but when Murray took yeah. over, he just went with it. But when you've got question marks and goal, um, I just don't think they're ready, Terry. I honestly don't. Yeah. I, I think they need to they they need to figure out what what this team is going to be, how they're going to win. Some nights you'll see a game that's seven to two, and the next night it's two one. Are they a close scoring yeah. team? Uh, you know, a low scoring yeah. team? Are they a high scoring team? What kind of game are they playing right now? I don't even right. know. Um, yeah. So yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, and and hey, there there was very little Schadenfreude here today. I thought we treated the Leafs with uh, you know with respect. respect. Yeah. With respect, you know, and again, we didn't we didn't take too many uh, too many cheap shots. But no, no I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you and say I want the Leafs to win the cup. Yeah, no, I mean, could, uh, could they though? I, I know you don't want. We know oh, the, uh, again, do you think it's, they it's, have it's, the talent? I, and, and, 
and it's nice to see that they are trending in that in the right direction, yeah. as you said. Yeah. Uh, a, a healthy Maple Leafs team is again good for the game. Yeah. Right. And and the idea, I I don't wish them to go back to like the Boward years. Mm-hmm. Right. I you know I just I I I don't wish that on anybody. Right. Especially people who are that invested in it. Right. Right. So yeah, I'm I'm happy where they are, and you know the Leafs. Hey, Islanders already beat them this year, so you know <laughs> you're happy. Uh, yeah, we beat them. So uh, there you go. I'll it. tell you one thing: it won't be the Habs or the Islanders winning the Cup this I'm year. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I probably not. No, probably I'll, not. I'll, probably I'll put, not at I'll, the end. I'll put I'll put my bank account on that one. Yeah, I think I'm afraid you're right. Yeah. All right, Tara, take us home, buddy. Yeah. So uh, to sum it all up, that was the 1966-1967 Stanley Cup champion, Toronto Maple Leafs, a team that, unbeknownst at the time, marked a turning point in the franchise's history. From iconic teams of mostly homegrown heroes, who for the first 50 years of the National Hockey League ran neck and neck with Montreal for titles and influence, to teams derailed by epic mismanagement and an inability to change with the times, to the current iteration, a team that is trending upward but still for reasons internal or existential, cannot make its way back to the Stanley Cup. And in one way, a clock is ticking. Every 13 years, the NHL removes the top band of the Stanley Cup to make way for new champions. That band is then displayed in the Hall of Fame. In 2031, teams from 1965-66 to 1977-78 will come off the Cup, removing tangible evidence of the Toronto Maple Leafs Hockey Club from the sport's iconic trophy, rendering them ghosts of the game's glorious past. Unbelievable, Terry. Uh, All right. Thanks, man. As usual, uh, Ken, just an incredible story with so much, so many details. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this uh, again. Just, yeah. just so many different things to think about. Um, so much great history. Again. Such an such a great history of a of a team and franchise and. You know, yep. Terry, as as much as we may not be rooting for them, uh, there's yeah. a little there's a little part of my heart that wants to see the Maple Leafs lift that cup again. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah or at least be uh, be right there with, them, right? Yeah. yeah, it'd be exciting, man. It'd it, be, it it'd sure be, would. Yeah, it sure would. And uh, again, thanks, uh, thanks always for the opportunity. All right, my friend, folks, All that's right. across the pond, and that's a wrap. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our amazing sponsors, the China Hockey Group. Wheel Hub Asia, AccessoryHouseGlobal.com, Yardley Brothers Beer, and of course, Sunset Studio. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Across the Pond HK. Email us, send in your comments and questions to the show at any time at Across the Pond HK at gmail.com. Well, here comes Shaq. He knocks him down and he gives him a wacky 